Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this week number four of the NFL football season, week number five in college football. If you can believe it, week number five already in college football. Time is flying by. With that, we want to welcome our co-host, Victor King from King Real Sports. Victor, how are you doing this week, and how was your football week last week? A fun weekend, as usual, Mark. Uh, I'm very excited by the weekday slate of games in college football. We're getting ready, of course, to turn the page from the first month of the season into the second month of the season. An exciting game in the ACC. I know you mentioned that in your newsletter with the Tigers Hokies taking each other on in an ACC title rematch. A very interesting week in the NFL if you were an underdog player or an over-the-total player. But uh, we're definitely ready to uh, talk about some big games in uh, today's episode of the podcast. Uh, that we are, Victor. There's a big college football card on tap this week. And with that, before we get into that college football card, let's hit a little bit about the surprise teams in college football that we've seen thus far this football season. Teams that uh, perhaps are, if not overachieving, just surprising and doing a lot better, I think, than maybe what a lot of the preseason prognosticators had believed they would be doing. And on the flip side, some of these college football teams that have gotten up to what would be troubled starts, if you will, that way. And uh, I'll, lead, I'll let you lead it up with this, Victor, with this segment here. What would you take beyond the college football teams on the surprise side and on the disappointing downside? Well, on the positive side, I would uh, suggest a couple of teams. You know, there was a team that didn't make the AP Top 25 rankings from the Big 12 Conference, and all of a sudden they're ranked number nine, and that would be the TCU Horned Frogs. Again, they were not in the preseason rankings. They're 4-0 in the season. A big road upset win against Oklahoma State on Saturday, a game in which the Cowboys were basically never in the game. Uh, you got to admire what Kenny Hill has done as quarterback for the Horned Frogs as well. Very inconsistent last year, very turnover-prone for the 6-7 and seven Horned Frogs. They're now 4-0 season. Big game against West Virginia on Saturday. Good for the Horned Frogs. And, of course, uh, all of our friends there in the Fort Worth area of Texas. Wake Forest, how about them from the ACC Conference? A 4-0 start for Wake Forest. Uh, a little bit of a topsy-turvy for them. A team that I watched last Friday night that I was very impressed with, I'm sure I was not the only one, Mark, would be the Virginia Cavaliers. Bronco Mendenhall's second year there. He has absolutely turned that program around. There's not many games that Boise State loses on their home carpet. I believe I heard them say they've lost only seven games there in 15 years at home, and Virginia not only won, but they dominated Boise State. Virginia, a program, Mark, that was 5-7 and seven in 2014, 4-8 and eight in 2015. They bottomed out last year at 2-10. and 10. They're already 3-1. and one. They had a signature road win, as I just mentioned. They're halfway to their first bowl bid since 2011, and even statistically, they're a 10-point better game on offense this year compared to last year, and they've allowed 13 less points per game 
on defense. So from a positive side, I would throw out those three teams. You got anything to add for us, Mark? I think the only, uh, uh, and I would for sure hit on TCU. I'd put them right at the top of the list, although not surprised in the sense that we called out in the preseason uh, football preview guide magazine that uh, watch out for Gary Patterson off losing seasons. Uh, in the two times he'd had losing seasons as a head coach at TCU, his teams came back and went 11-1 and and 12-1 and the following seasons, and they're on that path again that way this year, especially with that big upset win over Oklahoma State last week. And if I had to throw maybe one more guy on top of the list here, because I think he hit them all, especially with Wake Forest being the surprise team. We're going to find out what Wake Forest is all about this week. Uh, in, a, in a matchup of undefeated teams and taking on the Duke Blue Devils. And that's the guy that I would also maybe throw on the pile here this this week. The Duke Blue Devils uh, gotten out to this 4-0 start. That's after four wins last year. And they're already 4-0 on the football season this year. David Cutcliffe doing a great job with that football program here. They're going to take on a big, big football game, uh, if you will, against Miami of Florida, Duke will. So we're going to find out a little bit about more about them. Maybe on the disappointing side of things, I'll lead this off with uh, maybe two names that I'll throw into the hat here. I, it's a long, long way to go, and obviously seasons can be rebounded and redirected. But uh, I think a little bit on the disappointing side would have to be the Arkansas Razorbacks out of the Southeast Conference here. I know Brett Bielma is really endangering himself and getting deeper and deeper out of the hot seat here. And it's going to only get worse for him as he goes into Southeast conference play. He's going to need to turn that football program around right away in a big time. And I think another guy on the disappointing list that I was expecting more from and haven't seen yet this year might be UCLA, the Bruins out of the PAC 12 conference. And I'm saying that uh, we know that their season last year uh, went awry when Josh Rosen, their quarterback was hurt and that was understandable, but he's back. He's healthy and there's no, excuse whatsoever for the way the defense doesn't show up for this football team. Uh, you look at what their current rankings are in line games this year against other FBS teams. They're allowing 527 yards a game. Josh Rosen and no other quarterback can overcome uh, a defense like that. So I probably throw those two names in to begin with in my disappointing list. What do you think, Victor? Well, there's only two winless teams in the power five conferences. That would be Baylor and Florida State. Of course, Baylor won 10 games just two short years ago. Florida State won 10 games last year. They are now a combined 0-6 this season. And one more I would throw in there would probably be the BYU Cougars. Here's a team with nine wins in each of the last two seasons. As you mentioned in the yearbook magazine, they're one of only 10 college football programs to get a bowl bid in each of the last 12 years. Uh, head coach Kalani Sataki, he's in his second year. He's already in the hot seat. Last year, their four losses were very, very close. All four of them were by three points or less. And it's been a horrible year for them this season. One and three out of the gate. A very bad offense. They're last in NCAA football in scoring offense. And 129th out of 130 in overall offense. It could be a long year there for the uh, Cougars. I agree with that assessment as well. BYU on the list for sure. Florida State having to have to head the list. 0-2 winless Florida State. Uh, Going to take on upstart Wake Forest this week. And a little bit strange to find an 0-2 team. Not only favored against a 4-0 team, but favored on the road by a touchdown. We're going to see whether the odds makers were correct in that assessment. I believe they are. This is a Florida State football team that has just far, far too many five-star recruits in the roster. Now, the last time this Florida State team started out 0-3 was 1976. That was the last time they had a losing season. 
So we'll see whether or not they can reverse that role. But Florida State, I agree with you, Victor, should be right at the top of the list. And in fact, heading into this weekend here, there's a total of 24 undefeated teams and nine winless teams. Surprisingly, Florida State heads that winless list. Going one more step here before we move over to the NFL side of things, as I love to do out of our midweek alert each week, is tearing down the stats and looking at how these football teams are performing not only on the season, but each week. And we noticed last week there were nine games where teams won games, but were won the stats in phony inside-out fashion, three of those by 100 yards. Be sure to check out the new Playbook Alert and Midweek Mini uh, it's a new publication that we've just rolled out here. It's featuring all the late-breaking best bets from the midweek and all the stat rankings. Check that out at online at playbook.com. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And, Victor, let's shift it over to the National Football League side of things, where before we get to the underdogs and the overs and how successful they were last week, I think we need to mention about what happened in the NFL last week, and a lot of it was not good news. It was bad publicity, and it came largely from our leader, our supposed leader, the president in Washington, the shit-stirrer that he is, uh, doing exactly what he does, and he did that to the ultimate max this particular week. And uh, unfortunately, it becomes the topic in the NFL as opposed to the game being played on the field itself. I think it's absolutely disgusting, uh, his comments and what was happened there. Uh, but he does bring out a point, and the point being that uh, what is going on with the players here, uh, they are protesting, and they have a right to protest. This is the U.S., and we have a freedom of speech that everybody abides by, but the manner in which they're doing things is simply not proper, and it's not correct. That's my opinion, uh, and I think the best resolve to this whole garbage, this whole mess, is the fact that uh, I love what Aaron Rodgers is going to do if you're watching uh, the Thursday night football game this week between the Packers and the Bears. You happen to uh, hear this podcast before that game begins. Watch what happens in the stands at Green Bay here. He's asking every fan in attendance to lock arms in support of unity here. Don't kneel down. Don't disrespect the flag. Don't disrespect the national anthem. But get together and band together in unity, uh, one and all. And do that. Show your show what your thoughts and true feelings are, and then let's play the game. We're we want to watch National Football League games. We don't want to talk about this rhetoric and this garbage. Uh, but that's my little soapbox stand on that take, Victor. What's, what's your quick thought before before we get over to what counts, and that's the National Football League games this week? I, I would much rather talk about the fact that the NFL games were very exciting and high scoring last week. But uh, I do have it a little bit of an opinion, and it's not too often that you and I differ on something. But this is probably one of those cases Personally, I think that the NFL had uh, one of its finest moments before the games even began on Sunday from every corner, not just players, but coaches, owners, league officials, all coming together, whether black, white, brown, on bended knee or locked arm. I think it was a rare show of unity for the NFL. And, of course, I believe that... uh, as long as you do protest uh, legally and peacefully, there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. I personally don't think that it is about the national anthem or the military or the flag and never has been. To me, this is a protest about racism and the fact that 150 years after the Civil War, that racism continues to be pervasive in our society. It manifests itself in police brutality in economic inequalities, uh, disparity in education.
education and opportunities. And again, I don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, I think the important thing is if you disagree with somebody, if you're on opposite sides of somebody, we can still learn from that other person's opinion. So don't shut your ears. Don't stop listening. We can learn from the other side and all come together in regards to this issue. Well said, Victor. Those are good thoughts, and they're conveyed, and uh, I agree a lot with what you say there. I don't disagree with much of what you just said as well. I think my only my main stance is the fact of disrespecting the flag or disrespecting the national anthem, using that as the soapbox opera to get the message across. The message needs to get across. There is no question about that. It's first and foremost, and that's the most important thing that's being overlooked here. Uh, a little bit of what the Dallas Cowboys did where they went down on bended knee before the national anthem. Then they stood up and locked in arms during the playing of the national anthem. That's good news. That's good stuff. And uh, right. that's more, more of what needs to happen. And I, can, I think we can see that beginning here if our fearless leader doesn't get in the way and stir more shit. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can say about this. One other thought here, Victor, before we get over there. i got to say the Coffee Club, which is really popular, uh, it's growing growing. Uh, we're getting a lot of great response to the Coffee Club each and every day. Where I, My thoughts, my comments, a little handicap for you. Every day in your email box, if you're not a Coffee Club member, check it out at playbook.com. But the most positive response I've gotten has been about what we're talking about here and the response of what uh, our contentions and our sides are and locking together in unity here and forgetting uh, you know, about this uh, disparaging of the, of the flag and the national anthem and so forth and whatnot. So I think the bottom line when this whole stuff is said and done, we're going to end up uh, coming out with some good positive responses here. Now what we need is from answers on the other side, not just protests, but answers. Let's put a plan in place. Let's do something. Let's propose something to get this job done so racism is no longer a topic in this country. Victor, over to the National Football League side of things here. I didn't want to go all that long, but unfortunately, it is, I guess, the flavor of the day in the National Football League these days. But we mentioned that the dogs and the overs uh, had strong, strong success in the NFL last week. Let our listeners know what you saw as far as those totals went last week. Right. Probably, uh, we'll probably uh, pump Andy for some information a little later in the show on how it went overall for the books. I'm thinking that it was probably one of their best uh, Saturday and Sunday periods of the last few seasons with NFL underdogs, not just uh, going seven and nine straight up, but 11 and five against the spread for underdogs. If you were laying the points over the weekend, probably not great for your bankroll. With that record, underdogs are now 26, 20, and one on the season in the NFL. And also, if you were looking for some high-scoring results, week three was definitely the week. We talked about the low scoring in the first two weeks of the NFL season in which there was, what, 11 overs, 20 unders. The average game in the first two weeks averaged only 40.4 points per game. If you were looking for a point explosion, you got it this last weekend. Games were about 10 points higher across the board. The average NFL game... Line was 44.3. Average point scored was 49.9. So the average game went over by five and a half points. Again, 11 overs, five unders. On the season now, 22 overs, 24 unders, one tie. So, you know, a lot of people consider those first two games of the NFL regular season preseason B. So we'll see what happens now as we get into the NFL and, again, as we turn the page in regards to the month 
and we'll probably see a lot more high-scoring games in these next few weeks, one of which we'll probably be talking about today on our segment of the show. And we got a big one from King Creole, too, our five-star game of the month of the NFL, a game we're going over the total. We'll have a little more information on that a little bit later. And we'll get to that along with all the college and NFL coverage of our games of the week on the show coming up here before we go to a quick break here. One quick thought here from our good friend, the Texas Tornado, Steve Crabb in Texas, his nomination for chip on the shoulder play of the week this week. And I concur totally. The Baltimore Ravens have that big chip on their shoulder after that disaster last week in London, England here. In fact, we made them a three-star best bet in the newsletter using a lot of the analogy that Steve forwarded to us in that write-up as well. So check it out. Our chip of the uh, on the shoulder chip play of the week, the Baltimore Ravens inside this week's Playbook Football Newsletter. Don't you go away when Victor and I come back. We're going to tear down our college football game of the week, a beauty inside the Pac-12 conference. That and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Hey, sports fans, football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action. MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at mybookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. What are you waiting for? Come join mybookie.ag today. Call toll-free at 844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Once again, Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. It's time for our college football game of the week. It'll kick off this Friday inside the Pac-12 Conference one day earlier than usual. A beauty on tap when Southern Cal invades Washington State. Victor, your take on the Trojans and the Cougars this Friday night. I love the fact that we're talking about a Friday game. And if you ask me, this is the best Friday slate of regular season college games that I've ever seen. I'm very excited. I agree. You got a, I agree. A, yes, go a ahead. great ACC matchup. You got the four and Duke and two and Miami in the ACC. That's a big game right out of the gate here. You got the big 10 playing on a Friday night, not the best matchup in the world, Nebraska against Illinois, but the fact that the big 10 is, is finally, you know, getting into the, the uh, uh, new millennium and scheduling some weekday games like that Ohio State Indiana game on the very first Thursday of the season. I think that's great for the Big Ten. BYU Utah State uh, maybe not, but at least it's an in-state rivalry type game. And this one, this big uh, Pac-12 game between Washington State and USC. 
We got a potential shootout. That is for sure. Sam Darnold against Luke Falk. You got two four and O teams. In terms of the point spread, USC opened four and a half. There's some money coming in on the home dog, Washington State side. It's down to three and a half. And in terms of the over-under, it opened at 62 and a half. It's gone up two and a half points. It's up to 65 as we record the podcast here on Wednesday morning. I got my play in at 64 and a half, and I am going over the total in this particular game. If you feel like joining us after listening to our segment, you're going to probably want to get in. I could see it going up to 67 or 68 by the time we get to kick off on Friday night. We've got a USC team that's 2-2 two and two over under on the season. They went over in each of their first two games of the year in their opener against Western Michigan. That's a game in which we had a play on the over. That one went over by 21.5 points for the Trojans. They also went over by a surprising double-digit margin against Stanford in that dominating win against Stanford in Game 2. But their last two games have gone under the total. They went under by 15.5 in that head-scratching game against Texas in which neither offense looked good, a game in which USC barely got by the Longhorns in overtime, 27-24. to And then last week against Cal, they went under by two touchdowns in their 30-20 to road win. So USC does come in at 2-2 two and two on the season over under. In their lined games, Washington State is 2-1. and one. They didn't have much of a line in that opening game against Montana State, of course, a FCS opponent. They did go over by 33 points against Boise in Game 2. That game had 91 points in it. 47-44 to 44 was the final score. The over-under line was only 57 and a half. And then uh, Washington State, the Cougars went over by nine points against Oregon State when they uh, blasted the Beavers 52 to 23. That went over by nine. They did go under last week against Nevada, uh, 45.7. 65 and a half was the over-under line. You could kind of see that one coming. It was, it was one of those game flow or game script games. When you've got a significant home favorite favored by double digits, they usually tend to run off the clock in the second half when they get out to a big league. So you definitely saw that happening. The series has gone one and three, these two teams, in the last four meetings. That's one over, three unders. What I do like, however, is the fact that the last eight meetings played in Martin Stadium, in Pullman, have gone over the total. Seven out of the last eight meetings this could be one of those games easily in which it goes down to the very wire. After all, we're talking about a three-point spread here. you got Sam Darnold, who, yes, has struggled in these last two games. But uh, on the season, you've heard the Heisman hype. Sam Darnold is still in the top five in regards to the Heisman. Luke Falk has looked fantastic as well. Mike Leach, he knows how to get his team to put up points on the board. It could very easily turn into a shootout, a back-and-forth game. Last team with the ball wins who knows based on the point spread and the over under line the anticipated final score is 34 to 31 i think it goes a little higher i got it pegged at 71 to 72 points i think there's some value but again you're going to want to get in early mark and play the over at the current line of plus uh, 65 points victor says get down now on the over total in the usc washington state friday night showdown football game as he looks for his football game to get over that total. This is one of these rare weekday games, as Victor mentioned here, our Friday night football game in the Pac-12 conference and a beauty. In fact, you took a look at Southern Cal, a little bit out of their element when they play weekday games. The last five times they've done that, they're just 
one and four to the spread. And in fact, you take a look at Southern Cal coming into this contest here. When they've gone on as road favorites off a win, and they're taking on a 500 or better team that's also off a win. The last nine times Southern Cal's done this, they failed all nine times against the spread. Not a good role for Southern Cal to be traveling, laying points in this particular situation. Also, game five of the season here, they've only beat the spread once in the last seven years. Washington State, this will be their biggest football game of the year. They get it featured on a Friday night football telecast. They will be pumped to the max, the Cougars will, for this football game. In their fifth game of the season, they've gone 6-1 and one to the spread. They complete flip opposite at Southern Cal. And, in fact, this is a rarity, if you will, for Washington State. They opened the season here with five consecutive home games in a row. You don't find that happening too very often. But when you do, in the fifth leg of a five-game season opening homestand, teams are 27-11 and 11 to the uh, straight up, I should say. They're 16-2 and two straight up. When they take on an opponent that allows 22 or more points a game, as does the Wash or as do the USC Trojans here, so a nice 16 and two winning situation straight up for Washington State in this contest. This happens to be the best role for head coach Mike Leach as a head coach in college football. He's been 15 and five to the spread as home dogs against undefeated opponents. 9-1 to the spread in this role with Washington State particularly. You take a look inside the stats at this matchup here, as I do inside the midweek alert each week. I find Washington State owns the better offense and the better defense in games that were played against fellow FBS-lined opponents this year. Uh, the bottom line to me in this football game is you're talking about a home dog in Washington State, they can put points on the scoreboard. It goes to what Victor says to the over total here. And from our playbook football newsletter this week, from my Bet You Didn't Know article, it features home dogs who score 40 or more points in three successive games in a row. That's the role for Washington State this week. On the blind, those teams are 21-6 and six against the spread. And there's a 16-1 and one point spread tightener inside that 21-6 and six number, which comes to Washington State as well. Check that out inside the Playbook newsletter in our Bet You Didn't Know article. I'm going to grab the points of Washington State for my side in this big Pac-12 showdown game on Friday. When we come back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread, Victor and I are going to tear apart our NFL game of the week of beauty inside the AFC We'll also hop out to Las Vegas and check with our good friend Andy Isco to get the Vegas vibe to find out what's going on in Vegas as well. We've got that and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed that's my bookie as an apple and g as in games tell them mark lawrence sent you only the biggest only the best only at mybookie.ag. sign up today 
the only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, at playbook.com. The Totals Tip Sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your Totals Tip Sheet today at playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King. It's time for our NFL Game of the Week. We've got a beauty in the AFC and the AFC West Division with the Denver Broncos play host of the Oakland Raiders, a possible playoff-type preview football game. Victor, your take on the Broncos and the Raiders this Sunday. This, to me, is a very tough game to handicap. A tough game because each team's over-under numbers appear to be on the other side of what they were last season. It opened at 47, the Raiders-Denver. It's a 425 Eastern kickoff, of course, in the Mile High City. It's come down a half point. The last time we looked, it is down to 46 and a half. It is the highest over-under line in this series since 2014. The last four meetings, the average line was 43 points per game. And I say tough game to handicap. Take a look at the team like the Oakland Raiders, one of the better over teams last season in the NFL. 12 overs, five unders, 50 points per game in Oakland Raider games. Fantastic dynamic offense. And yet they laid an egg last Sunday like Sunday night like nobody's business in our nation's capital. Do you believe they got outstanded by Washington by 350 yards? Washington, 472 offensive yards. Oakland Raiders, 128. And it's not like Washington is the Denver defense here. So that for those of us who bet the over in that game on Sunday night, like uh, myself, some of our clients, Al Michaels and the gang at NBC, we're still scratching our head over that outcome for the Oakland Raiders. So a great over team from last year has now started the season one and two over under this year. Their only over was against the New York Jets at home in week two. And that was an over that was aided by four scoring plays of 35 or more yards. So Oakland is a team that right now could actually be 0 and 3 over under. On the season, what I do know is that in their last five division road games, they've been pretty low scoring, zero overs, five unders. Now you take a look at the Denver Broncos, a great defense. If you ask me, the best defense in the NFL, better than anybody else. A great under team last year, six, nine, and one over under. Average Denver game had less than 40 points last season, 39.4. But again, the situations have reversed for Denver in the first month of the season. Despite the fact that they have this great defense, number three in overall defense, number one in rushing defense, all three of their games have gone over the total this season. That's not supposed to happen. They're one of only four teams in the NFL that have gone over in every game this season. Here's a, here's a, uh, some, something that I got tweeted that I thought was dynamic in regards to how good this Denver defense was. In Denver's very first game of the season, the Monday night game against the Chargers, Chargers running back Melvin Gordon ripped off an 18-yard run on the very first rushing play of the season for the Chargers. Since then, the Broncos against Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, and Shady McCoy have allowed 
62 rushing yards in 40 rushing attempts. That's oh. about 1.2 yards per rush per attempt. So after that first big gain by Melvin Gordon, these guys have shut the door big time, and against three all-pro running backs, they're allowing less than 60 rushing yards per game on the season. That is the Denver Broncos. That's why I say this is a head-scratching game for me. The series has gone one and three over under in the last four meetings. It's been a pretty low-scoring series, 33.3 points per game. In Denver last year, Denver won 24 to six. The Oakland game was the higher-scoring game last year, and then in 2015, both games were low-scoring, 15 to 12, 16 to 10. So again, it's a head-scratching game for me, Mark. However, if you're going to put a gun to my head. There's value on the under. The over-under line in this game legitimately should be no more than 42 to 43 points. So there's about three and a half points of value on the under. And again, that's the way I'm leaning in this game. Victor's going to lean to the value in the big Raiders-Broncos showdown game. Matchup of two AFC West division opponents for his side in that football game when this game kicks off on Sunday. As Victor mentioned here, a little bit head-scratching Oakland's performance against Washington Sunday night, getting outplayed probably worse than they have in any game in any time since Jack Del Rio has taken over this football team here. They will come into this contest a bit embarrassed, rest assured of that. They've covered the spread only two of the last 11 times inside this series, though. And in game four of the season, they beat the spread only once in the last nine years. Coming off Sunday night football games, the Raiders have struggled when they've gone onto the road. They're just four, nine, and one to the spread. Taking a look at the Denver Broncos side of the equation here, they've excelled, especially in division games here. Go back to the last 36 division games, Denver has won 28 of those on the scoreboard. And in fact, when Denver comes into the football game, taking on a 500 or better division opponent, they kind of get their A game up. They've 14-3 and three straight up, 12-4-1 and one to the spread against quality division opponents. Denver comes home off that road favorite loss last week at Buffalo. A nice roll for them where they're 27-7 and seven straight up in this particular role. This team missed the playoffs last year despite nine wins last year, and they seem to be playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. A lot better, more focused football team this year because of that. The bottom line to me in this football game is you've got a 100-yard disparity in defensive differences between these two teams favoring the Denver Broncos here. Uh, you're talking about Denver, who outstats their opponents 93 yards a game. Raiders are being outstated 65 yards a game, largely because of that uh, uh, disparate result happened last week against Washington. But you're talking about 158 net year total yards favoring the Denver Broncos with 100 yards the better defense here. I'm going to lean to the Denver Broncos in this football game on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And it's time to hop out to Las Vegas and we'll check out the Vegas vibe with our good friend, Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com. Andy, how's everything going in Vegas for you these days? Mark, everything is going nicely. We're enjoying a little bit of a reprieve from the summer heat for a few days. And of course, uh, the summer heat, I think, left Las Vegas and visited almost every underdog in the NFL this past <laughs> weekend. And a, a very unusual uh, week of results, nonetheless. Very pleasing results for, for many of us, uh, but uh, nonetheless, you very rarely see that kind of disparity between underdogs and favorites. 
Yeah, Victor and I talked about that a little bit earlier on in the show, and I'm sure it was one of the questions I want to ask you as we get into the, sh- uh, the segment here a little bit uh, more in detail with you uh, about exactly what happened last week. A great week for underdogs, and the totals kind of flipped and went over, so a little bit of an unusual occurrence. Underdogs and overs, it's usually the other way around, underdogs and unders and favorites and overs, but uh, that's the way the ball bounced last week in the National Football League. And speaking about the way the ball bounced, Andy, how did the ball bounce in the Westgate Superbook contest this week? Good news or bad news as far as the consensus was concerned? Probably I'd, I'd have to interpret it more as bad news, but probably not all that surprising because the public at large likes to play favorites. And as a result, in the contest almost every week, we're seeing many more favorites being selected by the consensus as opposed to underdogs. And such was the case this past week. Now, overall, the consensus this past week was two and three. The favorites that they backed were the Broncos over the Bills, the Chiefs over the over the uh, Chargers, which got there, the Raiders over the Redskins, which did not. And the underdogs, uh, a lot of people, and the consensus included, had the Saints over the Panthers. That got there. But the underdog that was heavily backed that did not get there, uh, the Seahawks over the uh, Tennessee Titans. So for the week two and three on the consensus for the season, five and ten although it is 5-5 five and five over the last two weeks after that 0-5 oh start. Now, as far as uh, that uh, split between favorites and underdogs on the uh, main contest, favorites this year, when they've been the more popular team in the game selected by the contestants, 11-19 and 19 ATS. When underdogs have been the more popular team, and again, remember, that's going to occur less often with uh, such a large field of 2,800, uh, many of whom do not have realistic chances of doing well but like to get in the contest. They're going to be selected much less frequently. Uh, they were 3-7-1 and one heading into last week, but the five underdogs that, or excuse me, the six underdogs that were the favored teams in their games, favored by the contestants anyway, went 5-1. and one. So that brings the season record for underdogs uh, that were more popular, 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one for the year. The contestants overall picking every game 19-27-1. That's a little better than 40. I hate to use the word better when I use this number, but it's a little higher than 40%. As far as the overall standings go in the Super Contest, the one leader has 13 points. There are two at 12.5 out of a possible 15. 16 or a half point back at 12. Uh, 12 contestants at 11 and a half, and then we have a logjam, 42 contestants at 11 and four for the season. Let me just compare that to the Super Contest Gold, that $5,000 entry fee contest where it's a winner-take-all. They had 94 entries, 22 of the 94, which is a pretty healthy percentage. It's a little bit uh, right around 25% of the field at 60% or more, nine and six roughly, ignoring uh, the one push, which wouldn't come into play in most cases as far as getting to the 60%. But nonetheless, the leader also is at 13 points. You've got two contestants at 12 all the way down to seven at nine so a total of 22 of 94 hitting 60 percent in what could be called the elite contest uh, over at the uh, westgate superbook 13 is a good number in the superbook contest so far this year for the regular contest and the gold contest where just 60 percent leads the contest as we're speaking right now visiting with andy isco 
from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, I want to thank you also for delivering to me copy of your Logical Approach newsletter this week. And I know inside the newsletter this week was the debut, the first issue of your spreadsheet inside the newsletter. And that's really, really some great statistical information. We talked a little bit about our midweek alert. And I love what you do with your spreadsheet here, all your uh, your line powers and your gameplay power ratings and so forth and whatnot. Let our listeners know about that spreadsheet and how they can get in touch with you for your copy of the copy of the, the Logical Approach football newsletter, if you would. Sure. Let me just make one correction. I think you may have said the leader at the Super Contest Gold was at 60%. The leader was also at 13 points. It's just that 22 of the 94 contestants are hitting 60% or better, which is a very healthy percentage. Now, the uh, spreadsheet you speak about is one that I've been publishing for many, many years. has a lot of unique uh, uh, statistics, uh, one of which we'll get into detail next week in the newsletter, what I call the X Factor, which tries to explain what is normally thought of as unexplainable. Uh, This week... uh, (laughs) The the debut is for the NFL spreadsheet, still having a couple of technical glitches with uh, some of the college stats because of some of those games that were postponed and the still exaggerated influence of some of the statistics against uh, those uh, FCS teams. For example, Miami of Florida, the team in your uh, area, uh, has played only two games this year, uh, one of which was against Bethune-Cookman. You want to try and and, uh, factor those stats out of your handicapping, yet they're also contained with the one game uh, that they did play against FB competition, which is Toledo. But uh, the newsletter is uh, one that uh, has been available for a number of years. Folks can get details, see a sample copy on uh, the website, thelogicalapproach.com. And of course, it's also available at the Playbook Superstore. Andy Isco joining us from thelogicalapproach.com in Vegas. And Andy, uh, looking at the lines that are sent out a week in advance from Jay Cornegay at the Superbook, I noticed quite a bit of disparity last week as opposed to this week. Some weeks there are, some weeks there aren't. Uh, if you can, maybe uh, maybe a little bit of an overview of some of those disparities and what your take might be on the reasons why, if you could, if you would. Sure. In fact, I had uh, more than half the schedule marked down as far as significant or interesting adjustments, starting with the Thursday night game. I do want to preface this by saying that we're always taught, and it's a very good rule, that we don't want to overreact to one week's results. At the same time, I've also maintained that you don't want to fail to react. Every result has some meaning. The problem or the concern is that often we tend to overreact and place too much emphasis on it, but you need to put some emphasis on on it because especially in a uh, sport where there's only 16 games, every result has some meaning. You just don't want to over-exaggerate that meaning. So starting with the Thursday night game prior to this past weekend's actions, Green Bay was 11.5 points favored over Chicago. Now, we saw the results. Uh, Chicago had that... uh, uh, some would say stunning home upset of Pittsburgh in overtime, the way that they controlled that game basically from the start. And, of course, Green Bay struggled against a very desperate Cincinnati team, rallied to force overtime and get the winning uh, field goal uh, to uh, come out with a victory. Well, that line, when it came up Sunday night, was adjusted from 11.5 all the way down to 7.5. That's a huge adjustment. And that line has further been bet down now to the Packers minus 7. The next interesting one is the game in London between New Orleans and the Miami Dolphins. Last week at this time, the Miami Dolphins were projected to be, well, actually were available as a one-point favorite, neutral site favorite against uh, the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans goes in and dominates the Carolina Panthers on the road. Miami is upset in a very lethargic effort at the Jets. And uh, as a result, when that line came out Sunday evening, New Orleans had flipped to a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. They've since bet up 
been bet up to a three-point favorite. Now, as uh, interesting as the results were last week in London, Jacksonville at the uh, uh, New York Jets this week. Last week, Jacksonville was, was available as a four-and-a-half-point road favorite at the Jets. Jacksonville destroys Baltimore in London, and the Jets, with a very, very solid effort against Miami, they come up with that 20-6, to which was effectively a 20 to nothing win Miami scoring on the final play of the game. What's interesting about this number is that it opened exactly where it was. There was no adjustment made either way. The line opened at four and a half. Uh, the better so far have read more into the Jets' performance than the Jacksonville performance. That line has dropped a full point to uh, three and a half. Other games of note very briefly, the Tampa Bay Bucks were a six-point home favorite against the Giants last week. After this week's results where the Giants played a competitive effort, nearly getting their first win with their rally in Philadelphia that just came up short, losing on a 61-yard field goal as time expired. Tampa Bay, which was uh, involved in a one-sided loss at Minnesota. That line opened this Sunday night with Tampa Bay, a four and a half point home favorite. That's since been bet down to Tampa Bay now, a three point home favorite. We've seen a change in favorites between Philadelphia and the Los Angeles Chargers. Eagles last week were a one point favorite. That's where they opened. Money has come in early in the week on the Los Angeles Chargers to the point where they are now one and a half point favorites. The other games, Seattle was a 14 and a half point home favorite against Indianapolis prior to this weekend. Colts, nice win over Cleveland as a small home underdog. Seattle uh, didn't look as impressive as a lot of people thought, losing 33-27 on the road. They had some leads at a uh, couple of stages in the game and then got badly outplayed before rallying late to make it look close. That line, instead of 14.5, opened at 12.5, so that's an adjustment over two key numbers, 14 and 13. It's since been bet up to 13. And finally, the Monday night game, Kansas City was an 8.5-point favorite last uh, week. Uh, when the games came up Sunday afternoon, Kansas City already had its win over the Chargers. Washington was yet to play Sunday night, so Kansas City was made an eight-point favorite. So a very small adjustment. Washington then, as you had just talked about, just noted, dominated Oakland in that Sunday night game. So when that game came up on Monday morning, the Chiefs were now opened as a six-and-a-half-point home favorite. They've since been bet up to seven-and-a-half. So once again, the reaction to the Sunday night game I'm sorry, that game was put up on Monday morning, not Tuesday morning, Monday morning. The reaction to that Sunday night game caused that line, that line to cross the key number of seven, going from six and a half to seven and a half. A lot of reactionary moves in the NFL this week. Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, as he has just discussed. And Victor, I know you're jonesing to ask Andy a question on the show this week as well. Yeah, I am, Mark, and it's for the NFL game in which, again, there is currently no line in it, just like last week. It's, of course, the surprising Minnesota Vikings, a division game at home against the Lions. Uh, Minnesota, some would say, one of the positive surprises of the season. They have two double-digit wins at home already. They have a 400-yard-per-game offense, and that's what they're starting quarterback out. That's about 80 to 90 yards higher than last year, a killer a rushing defense as well. Assuming it's still Case Keenum at quarterback this week, Andy, can you project what a potential line in that big division game will be against the Lions, who, as you know, came up uh, inches short against Atlanta last week? 
Yes, uh, Victor, unlike last week where we saw some indication of what the line would be with and without uh, Sam Bradford, uh, I've not seen any indication this week, and I've tried to check numerous sources as far as what the line would be. My When I try to project lines, sometimes rather than using power ratings, I try to look at the number in which I probably would not be involved on either side. And the number I'm coming up with this game is Minnesota by four. I think if Minnesota were a three-point favorite and people saw what Case Keenum did last week, if he doesn't play or if Sam Bradford does play, I think there'd be more inclination to take to to uh, take the Vikings and lay the three points. At four, I think you start looking at the fact that, you know, these Detroit Lions, yeah, they were a playoff team last year. Yeah, they haven't had back-to-back winning seasons in more than two decades, but they've had two winning seasons in the last three years. They've looked pretty good in the early start. I think at four, you start getting a little bit hesitant to lay the number with Minnesota, and you start thinking maybe four is enough to justify taking the points with Detroit. So that would uh, that would be my guess as far as uh, where the line would come out. And I think this week, what we saw with Case Keenum last week, it may not be that much of a difference now between Bradford, the known entity, and Keenum, the unknown entity. Now, Keenum had a career game. He's unlikely to repeat it, but at least the capability has been shown. I like that analogy about uh, posting or making a line in a game and using the, the the concept of what line, what number would I not be interested in either side of the game. That's what Andy Isco discusses in this Detroit-Minnesota game. I love that analogy, Andy. We'll see exactly where this game goes, whether or not Bradford plays or Keenum and what this line ends up settling in to be. Andy, before we let you go on the show, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play on the NFL card this week as well. I'm going to go to that game in London between New Orleans and the uh, Miami Dolphins. And I think last week's effort against the Jets was a signal that the stress created by the last month with the hurricane is really taking a big toll on the Miami Dolphins. They had the cross-country trip. Yeah, they stayed in San Diego for their opener. Then they came back across the country to play the Jets last week. Now they go over to London. The uh, postponement of week one against Tampa Bay means that the Dolphins have not yet played a home game this season. That won't occur until next week. And it's, uh, in fact, uh, I wish the NFL had done a little bit better. Teams like Jacksonville and Baltimore should both be having buys coming back this week. And, of course, we won't see that next week either. Uh, Interestingly enough, one of the games you talked about earlier, Denver gets an early buy uh, next week after their game with Oakland. But uh, having said that, the game between New Orleans and the Dolphins, I like New Orleans on several factors. Uh, Aside from being against Miami in this situation, I like what New Orleans showed last week and totally dominating division rival Carolina on the road. The defense uh, played, I think, better than expected. The last four games have been decided by five points or less between the Panthers and the Saints, the last three of which were each decided by a field goal. For the, so for that to have been a one-sided Saints win told me something about the Saints. And then you go back and you look at their start to the season where they lost their first two games. They lost at Minnesota, an excellent defense playing on the road to open the season. And then they caught the New England Patriots at home off of their upset loss to Kansas City in New England's opener. So neither of those first two weeks results for the Saints can be taken as a surprise. Last week's result wasn't a surprise to me other than the margin of victory. I think they're catching Miami at a very unfavorable time for the Dolphins. As I mentioned before, we saw the line last week expected to be Miami minus one. When the lines came out Sunday night, it was one and a half. It's been bet up to three in some spots. There are still two and a halves available. 
I don't think it'll be a blow away in this game, but I do think in the second half that fatigue may finally be even more evident on the field, and New Orleans has the kind of offensive power, firepower to exploit that fatigue. Andy fades that Miami Dolphins orbits schedule that they played thus far this football season backs the New Orleans Saints in the football contest. And Andy, just one quick note in passing here in this game here. You would think that after all this uh, this up and down travel for Miami, uh, back and forth, East Coast, West Coast, London, so forth and whatnot, they would have benefited the most by scheduling a bye week after London, but they opted not to do that next week against Tennessee as well. A little bit head-scratching, and I can't understand why. Tell me if you would what your thought is why these teams don't opt to take the bye week after coming back from London when they do at this stage of the season. The the only thought that comes to mind is that perhaps Miami being a playoff team last year, thinking they're going to be a playoff team this year, figured, yeah, we'll deal with the difficulties early. We would like to have the bye week, for example, as late as possible to perhaps be as fresh as possible for the stretch run. I mean, as it is right now, because of the way things worked and they're going to play that game, what is it, November 11th against Tampa, they're going to end up playing 16 straight weeks to close out the regular season due to the postponement. My guess is their thinking was they would like to have that bye week a little bit more towards the midpoint of the season. Beginning to look like the season going to hell in a handbag for the Dolphins here, especially if Andy's right and New Orleans comes back with the victory here. Andy, great job once again on the show visiting with you, as we always do. Once again, our listeners, I highly encourage you to go to TheLogicalApproach.com and get your hands on Andy's weekly football newsletter. It's a must-read if you're serious about winning this weekend. Once again, Andy, we'll look forward to talking with you next week. Have a great weekend, if you will. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Victor. Enjoy the games, and uh, let's have a great weekend, all of us. Thank you once again, Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't go away, guys. And when we come back, Victor and I will put the final wraps on this week's show, and I'll also share with you our awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays. We'll be back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new Coffee Club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow Coffee Club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the Coffee Club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. And I will say it is a hot South Florida sun this time of the year down here. Maybe the Miami Dolphins are doing well by not playing at home this time of the football season. But let's get to our awesome angle of the week this week. In college football, we call it no speed limit. And what we look to do is to play in any college football home underdog 
off a straight-up road favorite win in cover if they scored 55 or more points in that win in cover. This role reversal for these home dogs has worked out really well. These teams have gone 14-4 and 1 against the spread. That's a 78% winning angle. It favors Utah State in their college football game this week. Utah State, the home dog, college football Friday for our awesome angle of the week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what he's got on tap at King Creole Sports this weekend and for his complimentary play on the show. Victor, if you would. Sure thing, Mark. You know, I I can't speak for other sports gaming podcasts or radio shows, but one thing I've learned from working for our 18 years now uh, for Mark is that there is such a thing as handicapper transparency and full disclosure. And yeah, we mentioned when we win games, but we also mentioned when we, when we lose games as well. And we had a rough one last Saturday. Our game of the month in college football from our service was on over the total in the Hawaii-Wyoming game. We had a shot in that game. It went into overtime, and you know what happens in college football when games go into overtime. You could see a lot of points scored, and in fact, Wyoming came out with a touchdown. All we basically needed was a Hawaii touchdown to match Wyoming's, a game in which Hawaii basically dominated for the full 60 minutes. We got down to the 10-yard line, and then we turned the ball over with an interception a tough way to lose, but we did lose that game, Wyoming versus Hawaii. With that said, uh, our um, free play for the week, we're going to join Andy, and we're going to head across the pond for the Dolphins-Saints game over there at Wembley Stadium. I mentioned this in last week's total tip sheet, the fact that I can't explain why, but these inter- it might be the funky start time, the internal clock time for these athletes, But these international games tend to go over at a pretty high percentage. In the last five-plus seasons now, the international games, the games played across the pond in England and, in fact, in Mexico City, have now gone 11-4 and over-under. And that's off last week's double-digit over-winner with Jacksonville beating up on the Ravens 44-7. In fact... Non-division games in the, of the international variety have now gone 10 and 2 over under in that same time period, going over by an average of plus 7.3 points per game, and we're going over the total of 49 and a half with the Saints and the Dolphins. Of course, New Orleans is one of only four NFL teams that have gone over the total in each of their first three games so far. That included a half-point over victory for our service last Sunday as we went over in the Saints-Panthers game with, of course, the Saints doing all the heavy lifting in that one. But anyway, I regress into the database. NFL game four teams who went over in each of their first three games of the season have gone 23-1 and over-under in the last nine years when the over-under line is less than 52 points. That applies to the Saints this week. It actually applies to a couple of other teams as well that we mentioned in this week's Playbooks Totals Tip Sheet newsletter. Now, for the underdog Dolphins, Andy mentioned how fatigued they are. Head coach Adam Gase basically read the riot act to the Dolphins. They're going to score their points, and we're certainly aware that they have struggled on offense to start the season with only 17 points in Week 1 against the Chargers and only 6 points last week against the Jets. But what better defense to break out against? Then the Saints, 
who already are number 31 in total defense out of 32 teams, and dating back to last season, have now gone over the total in six consecutive games in a row. So I've also got this out of the database. NFL underdogs of less than a touchdown who scored six or less points in their last game have gone 12 and one over under that applies to the Dolphins in the last two years when the over under line is greater than 43 points. When you put these two divisions together, this non-conference game, we also get this out of the database. NFC South games against AFC East games have gone 10 and one over under in the last five years over under line 44 or more. Final score in this game, somewhere in the area of 31 to 27, maybe 34 to 28. But I think despite the high over-under line, we still see a lot of points across the pond. Remember, it's a 935 Eastern kickoff with the Dolphins-Saints game over the total. Don't forget the totals tip sheet this week, the playbook newsletter, the midweek alert newsletter. And, of course, you know, Andy mentioned the logical approach. Yes, it's also sold at the Playbook Superstore. Website, playbooksuperstore.com. Logical Approach, available on Wednesdays, eight dollars. Uh, $8, available Wednesdays, 12 noon Eastern. So you can get your all the nation's best newsletters, and it's your one-stop source, playbooksuperstore.com. And finally, Mark, yeah, we got a big one in the NFL this week, one I'm really looking forward to, one that applies in my favorite over-situation it's our five-star NFL game of the month. It isn't over. We're posting it early as well as the line is already moving in the game. And it'll be available today, Wednesday night. It'll be available, our five-star NFL game of the month, over the total. Again, Dolphins Saints over. Looks like a lot of points across the pond, as usual. Victor likes a score fest in that Miami-New Orleans game in London. And it reminds me, good friend of mine, Gil Alexander, who hosts, uh, it's a numbers game on VSIN. He was also uh, with me in Las Vegas as the moderator on the last two panels that I've been with. He was talking about those games in London, England, and how they started out as low-scoring, boring, dull affairs and how the lid has really come off. And they've really opened the things up here, entertaining the fans. Victor goes over the total in that game. Also get on board for his five-star NFL Game of the Month big over-selection play at playbook.com. And while you're there, check out the totals tip sheet. Inside the totals tip sheet, this guy's Victor has always talked before in the past about these NFL primetime games going over. There's a new development that he's uncovered, a new wrinkle about uh, NFL primetime games in follow-up games. So check that out in the playbook totals tip sheet this week, available online at playbook.com. Before I get to my complimentary play on the show this week, quick reminder that our friends over at MyBookie invite you to pick up a 100% sign-up bonus when you open up your account or add funds to your account. Simply log on at MyBookie.ag or call toll-free at 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-2387 to get your 100% sign-up bonus at MyBookie. Use the promo code PLAYBOOK when you do. Also a big note here that my five-star college football game of the month will kick off this Saturday. We're documented 68 and 30 on this play dating all the way back to 1990. It's part of another $99 football weekend of winners. Get the game online at playbook.com or join me for the five-star college football game of the month weekend of winners. When you call me toll free to get on board at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the college football card this week comes directly from this week's Playbook Mini 
midweek alert newsletter, and we're going to focus in on Miami of Ohio, the Red Hawks, taking on Notre Dame this Saturday in South Bend. And what we're focusing in here on the fact is this will be the only the third time that Notre Dame will stoop down this low to play a team from the Mid-American Conference in their entire football history. But believe me, the MAC is not a pushover by any means, nor is Miami of Ohio. This team brought 17 starters back from last year's bowl team who lost by only a single point to Mississippi State in a bowl game last year. You go back on this team the last 10 games they played in the regular season. They've won eight of those last 10 football games that they've played. You're talking about a Notre Dame football team, name and reputation. They beat Michigan State last week, but were out yarded in the football contest 496 to 355 in the game. The Irish at home as favorites of more than seven points when they're off a win. The last 18 times they've been in this role, they beat the spread only four times. You're talking about a Miami of Ohio football team that's cashed seven of the last eight games as road dogs will grab up the points with them in this football contest, Miami of Ohio, for my complimentary play on the football card this Saturday. That's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas for joining us as he always does. And for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always.